Turn with me to Romans, the 10th chapter, and let's release our faith and believe for the word for the hour. I'm thinking we should start a new series this evening. And I was impressed some weeks ago about this. And like always, we, uh, of course, we've been doing this a little while, and the Lord's given us things all along, but. I'm believing for new light. I'm believing for revelation. Things we haven't seen. Things we haven't understood. And then being able to become a full doer of what we have seen and known and see the results in our lives. Romans chapter 10. Actually, actually. Go to Acts 13. Let's do it this way. Acts 13, and maybe we'll work our way over to, to Romans. Acts 13, now we, we've been on here and be healed for some weeks now. And actually this is a development of that. It's a, it's a different series, but it just flows out of that into this. And we had talked uh, about uh, repeatedly the importance of the Word of God and of what you hear and how you hear it. And if you had not been with us, how many would recommend that they go get those and they, yes. they listen to them and feed on them? I'm telling you, you can be healed Absolutely. while you listen to it. Yes. And what the Lord said about healings happening, that's still going on. Yes. That, that flows in what we're about to get into right now. You'll see it. It's, that hadn't changed and we're not through with that. That's continuing. And should only increase. Right, right. People are being healed. And healings are. The, the occasion of the healing. Is increasing. But in Acts 13. Notice this. Acts 13 and 44. They came. And preached. The good news. To the Jews. The Jewish people. In the synagogues. And. Uh, so. They, they were intrigued by it and they wanted to hear more. And so, they, and, and so Paul told them, well, we'll be here next Sabbath. And so then the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Word had gotten around about last Sabbath. <laughs> and that guy, Paul, that was down there, what he was preaching about Jesus and the resurrection and all those things. So man, they had uh, maybe the biggest turnout they'd ever had at this synagogue and at this place. Almost the whole city <laughs> to hear the word of God. Verse 45, and when the Jews saw it, the multitudes, they were ecstatic <laughs> because of the record attendance. And couldn't even get everybody in the buildings. And everybody was so thrilled. And excited. Well should they be? But they weren't. They weren't. A whole lot of people. Will not be happy. When God does great things. If they weren't the one. In the front. And if it wasn't their place. That had the biggest offering. Or the best attendance. Or envy. They were filled with envy. 
and spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now these are the guys just one week ago said, hmm, this, this sounds pretty good. Come back and tell us some more next Sabbath. So it's not true that they have a major issue with Paul's doctrine. They're being dishonest. They're not upset primarily over what he's teaching and preaching. They're upset because he's had twice, three times, ten times the crowd they've ever had. And because there's excitement throughout the whole city and they're not the ones speaking. And they've been there in that city for 40 years. Which means you care more about your perceived place and people's estimation of you than you do people getting helped. That's ugly. I said, that's ugly. And not only were they, they got up and started contradicting, they're blaspheming. They're attributing. One of the key things you'll see when people blaspheme is attributing works of God to the devil. That's serious business. When people accused what Jesus was doing, which was the work of the Holy Spirit, and accused it of being of the devil... That's when he warned them that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit wouldn't be forgiven. Well, you need to watch. Saying something's of the devil. It really needs to be of the devil. If you say something that's of the Holy Spirit is of the devil, you're you're treading on dangerous ground. And that's what they're doing. They're saying this message is not of God. Well, it is of God. They're saying this ministry is not of God. Contradicting. Blaspheming. Verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and threw political correctness out the window. Now see, a lot of people think at this point a good minister should go, oh, now come on, come on, don't be upset. We can all get along. This can all be fine. Just sit down. Come on. Let me explain it to you. That ain't what they said. That ain't what they said. They waxed bold. And they said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Who judged them unworthy of everlasting life? They did. God didn't do this to them. The devil didn't do this to them. They did this to themselves. So we, we got into some, it kept coming up though. I believe the Lord gave me this phrase on the previous series. Our entire life, including our eternity, will be the result of our response to the Word of God. If you receive the gospel, believe in or baptize, you'll be saved. If you reject the gospel and put it away from you, you'll be condemned and judged and lost. Whose choice was that? It's based on heaven or hell. Eternity is based on our response to the word of God. Are they hearing the true word of God 
out of Paul's mouth here. Are they hearing the good news? The gospel is the Holy Spirit on him, giving him utterance, and, and they despised it, and they blasphemed it. It's not time to try to, you know, make nice with them. They're basically, they're despising and doing despite unto the Holy Spirit. They're, you know, rejecting the most precious message, the most precious sacrifice, the greatest thing that God's ever done for mankind. They're throwing it away. He said, you judged yourself unworthy of it. We're going to go to the Gentiles. <laughs> and all the Gentiles said, Woo! Hallelujah! <laughs> uh-huh! <laughs> we don't really know what exactly we are. We're a mix. <laughs> all of us. But now our genealogy is easy to keep up with. I am born of God. God's my father. Jesus is my brother. That's who I am. And by faith in him, we are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. Oh, anybody happy about that besides me? He said, we're going to turn to the Gentiles. Now notice notice the next verse. For so the Lord commanded us saying, I've set you to be a light of the Gentiles. He didn't just say it, he gave them scripture for it. That you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Keep reading. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. And they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained eternal life, believed. And the word of God was published throughout all the region. A move of God. Thousands coming into the church, being saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice what happened. The first group established religion around there. Doctors of the law rejected the message. He said, you've judged yourself unworthy of it. Hey, we came to you first. We offered it to you first. Now, we're going to go to somebody that will take it. You don't want it. These Gentiles want it. We're going to go to the Gentiles. And when they said it, they were shouting in the back. They were shouting outside the synagogue. Shouting all around. Almost the whole city came out. Come on, you see what I'm saying? Almost the whole city. There's people everywhere. Not Jewish. All kind of folks from all kind of places. And when he said... We're going to the Gentiles. We're going to preach this message to the Gentiles. The Gentiles said, Huh? What? What? He's coming to us? Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Preach to us. We'll hear it. We'll receive it. They were glad. Come on, look at that verse again. Verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. And they glorified the word of the Lord and people got saved. Miracles. How many of the new birth is a miracle? Miracles happen. Mm -mm. Mm. 
Hallelujah. When they heard it, they were glad. Turn with me to, to two verses. I mean, we need to lay some more foundation. Romans 15. Then I think we're going to 1 Peter 1. Romans 15, are you there? And 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope. Did you know God's not only a God of faith, He's a God of hope. Now there's a lot of confusion about hope because we use the word hope in modern vernacular with a completely different meaning than what the scriptures are talking about mm -hmm. when it says hope. Mm -hmm. And so people have concluded that hope is not faith. And it's not. But then if you're in hope, you're not in faith. And understand that if you mean modern vernacular hope. Right. But that's not true if you're talking about Bible hope. Right. In fact, if you got faith, you have hope. Said, didn't you say that backwards, Brother Keith? No. Mm -mm. Faith comes first. And based on your faith, it gives you hope. The, if you look up the words, Bible hope is confident expectation. If you're expecting something, you're hoping, according to the Bible. Now, not the way we use the word. You see why it's confusing? And somebody says, do uh, you, you think something's going to happen? And, and around our vernacular, people say, I sure hope so. They don't mean I'm confidently expecting it to happen. What do they mean? I, I wish it would. I, I want it to. They're talking about what the Bible would call desire. Desire. Not hope. Not faith. Desire. But if you're talking about Bible hope, you're talking about confident expectation. And why would you be confidently expecting something? It's because you are fully persuaded of something. Faith. You believe something and that causes you to expect something. Faith is the substance of things expected confidently. Right? Hope for the evidence of things not seen. So if you have faith, you are going to have expectation. I stir myself up almost on a daily basis about this. I'll ask Phyllis, what are we excited about? <laughs> what are we excited about? Because if we're not excited about something, we're not in faith. We're just idling or sliding backwards in our vision. There's no excuse for going through a day where you're not excited about God. If we, if we go through a day or a half a day or an hour where we're depressed and we're not excited about God and His plan and what He's doing, then we have chosen to yield to 
depression or unbelief or fear when we could have chosen to have faith and expect. Don't look back. Look forward. Right? These Romans uh, 15, 13 gives us telltale indicators of real faith, real believing. Look at it again. The God of what? Confident expectation fill you with all joy and peace in believing. If you're in believing, you're going to have hope and that's going to give you joy and peace. If you don't have joy and peace, then you're not expecting something good, which means you're not believing. You're not in believing. I'm not talking about my opinion or somebody's theory. We're reading Bible verses. It is written, the God of expectation fill you with all joy and peace in believing, why? That you may abound in confident expectation. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? Well, just, just whatever the Lord wants, well, then you're not expecting. You wouldn't know if it happened. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? How can we tell if you're expecting? You ever heard that before? You get excited. Have you ever heard that before? You get excited every time. You get excited. If you're not excited, you're not expecting. If you're not expecting, you're not believing. <laughs> Reckon we need to make a few adjustments. Reckon we need to, can we come up to another place, another level? Go to Philippians, please. No, no, go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. Some of this I've never taught exactly like this, so I'm taking steps by faith. But I'm excited about where I'm going. Are you excited about where we're going? Would that, that mean we're in faith? First <laughs> uh, Peter 1 and 7. First Peter 1 and 7. He said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now let's just stop right there. Is he coming? Do you believe it? Yes. How would we know if you believe it or not? You would be genuinely excited. Is the trumpet going to sound? Are the dead in Christ going to rise? We which are alive and remain, if that's us, are we going to be caught up together with them in there? Are we going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye? Is this real? Is it true? Has the Lord prepared a place? Is he right now preparing a place for us, new heavens, new earth, wherein is no sin, 
No curse, no death, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. Think about that. No more pain, no more dying. If you hear it and go, yeah, I know all that's in there. You don't believe it. I said, you don't believe it. If you believed it, (laughs) if you believed that they are working on your place right now, and it's not an efficiency apartment, (laughs) it's not an economy anything. (laughs) What did he say? In my father's house, are many condos, many efficiencies. No, many mansions. He said, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. I'm going. I'm getting ready for you. And I'm coming back for you. Brother Jesse Duplantis had an experience where he was called up to heaven. And he said he saw Jesus preach. At the throne. He describes it. It's, it's amazing. He said uh, the, the throngs. You couldn't see the people just around the throne. And how far back they went. And the angels. He said when they praised God. The roof literally came off. And the glory of God and the angels. And he said Jesus came out. And he said. I'm going. And the people started shouting. He said, I'm going. He said, Jesus didn't teach. He preached. He preached. He said, I'm going. I'm going back. I'm going to get your sons. I'm going to get your granddaughters. I'm going to get your sisters and your brothers. And I'm bringing them back. He said that place erupted. It just was shouts and cheers and Are they excited in heaven? Why are they excited? They absolutely believe every word of it. That it's just a short matter of time until it's happening. Do we believe it? Somebody say, he's coming to get me. (laughs) He's coming to get me. And take me out of here. And he's taking me. To my place. I have a place. Somebody say I have a place. I have a place. I have a place. I heard. uh, Now some people have an idea that. They read that and they think. Well there's a bunch of. uh, You know white. Colonial type. Buildings with some columns in the front. And they all look just alike. And it's great and nice. But that's just people's thinking. A man died and, and was gone for a while and they brought him back. He was a strong believer and he said while he was gone he, he went to see the Lord. And then he came back. He said the Lord showed him his place. Now you can believe it or not but it's scriptural that we have a place. And he said he was absolutely amazed and astounded. He said I had real estate. <laughs> If you look up the words uh, that, that are translated mansion, they come from a word that means manor, which means landed estate. Yes. 
Now, I'm sure it's not the same for everybody, but he said, I had, he said, I like the water, so I had some water. I like mountains, so I had one. <laughs> Behind me, he said in the house, he said, there are things just like I liked on earth, only better. And there were things I'd never thought of. But the moment I saw it, I thought, oh, that's what I like. I didn't even know that's what I like, but that's what I always thought I liked and wanted, but didn't know even to ask. And he said he was looking at the Lord just overwhelmed. And he said, the Lord smiled and said, I know what each of my children like. And I custom build their abodes for them. Does he know what you like? They're working on it now. Glory to God. If you believe it, you don't sit there nonplussed. Go, okay. That's a nice thought. You don't believe it. You just don't believe it at all. If you did, I said, if you did, people are going to express it differently, but you would be excited. <laughs> First Peter 1, finish reading with it, please. Verse 8, whom having not seen, you love. Most of us have not seen the master. But do you love him? Yes. That's what faith is all about. And faith pleases him. That you love him without having seen him pleases him a lot. Whom, though you've not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice. Somebody say, believing, believing. you rejoice. Believing, Believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, this is not some little low-octane joy, no caffeine joy. This, this is high-octane, potent joy, joy so strong you can't express it. It's unspeakable. Joy so strong, it is full of glory. Full of glory. Full of glory. Said out loud, believing, you rejoice. Well, what if you're not rejoicing? Then you're not, you're not sure about the one you hadn't seen or that you don't know. Is he real? Non-believers can't relate to us. They think we're just fanatics. Just, you know, most of us poor ignorant folk that need religion as a crutch because we're just basically emotionally unstable. And, and we're so feeble-minded that unscrupulous preachers can work us up into a lather and a frenzy and we just take off and, and just don't know what we're shouting about or speaking tongues, whatever that is, and we're just, but boy, are they wrong. How wrong are they? 
If you draw near to the Lord and he's able to draw near to you and reveal more of himself to you, didn't he say, if you'll do that, I'll make myself real to you. I'll manifest myself to you. And I tell you, when he does, you are not bored with it. You cannot be. He is so amazing. He is so great. He's so vast. He's so wise. Big, don't begin to describe it. I mean, as I learn more about him and fellowship more with him, you, you, you're so, so quick that you are out of words. You've said everything you knew to say three times and you talked in tongues the best you knew how. And you still haven't told the half of it. How big is it? We, we haven't begun to comprehend how big it is. What kind of being creates a universe like we're in? What kind of being does what he has done? And he's picked you and picked me. Not to just be a part of his creation, to be his very own children. Come on, somebody say, I am am a child child of the Almighty, the the creator of the heavens and the earth is my daddy, my father. I am, and you are, the apple of his eye. We are not Saturn, not Venus, not another galaxy. You, me, we are the apple of his eye. The highest price that's ever been paid for anything, he paid for you and me. The blood of the lamb. Life's in the blood. When you believe, when you begin to believe, joy begins to bubble. When you get strong in your belief, joy begins to flow over. Hallelujah. So unbelievers are sad. But believers are glad. The Bible said, (laughs) don't let this be too simple for you. Philippians 1.25, he said, having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and what? Joy of faith. That's the title of our new series. The Joy of Faith. So you can see how far we've gotten into our notes. We're at the title now. (laughs) But none of us thought we'd finish it tonight, right? We're just just getting started in this thing. Do you like the idea? Does it bear witness with your spirit? The Joy. The Joy. I mean, it'll, it'll help you out just to say joy. joy. The, joy the joy of faith. There's no such thing as believers full of faith that are depressed over it. Mm-mm. No such thing. If you're depressed over it, 
You're not in faith about it. Period. The Lord gave me this phrase some years ago. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. It's very simple, but you can help identify yourself. You know, he said, the God of hope, expectation, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope, expectation, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, being somebody that likes cars and bikes and that kind of thing, Years ago, I got this picture in my mind that in my faith mobile, as I go down life's road, there's two gauges I need to keep an eye on. How many know there's a gauge in your car or your truck? You better check once in a while. There's one that's got an E and an F on it. Y'all remember that? You better check that once in a while because if that gauge gets over next to E, and you just keep going. It keeps on getting on the E. And it gets dead on E. Then it gets past E. And you just ignore it. Or you never look at it. Or you don't care. What's going to happen? <laughs> Quietness. <laughs> Silence. Ain't no need in spinning the motor. You're out of gas. Well in your faith mobile. There's two gauges you better check, better keep an eye on. One is your joy gauge and your peace gauge. If you're doing good, if you're motoring on in faith, that joy gauge is going to be. Is that right? That peace gauge. You're going to be full of joy, full of peace, motoring on. And I mean, understand, I mean, a hill can be a hill when you were doing 20 miles an hour at the bottom and struggle, struggle, chug, chug. But when you hit the bottom of the hill at 98, yeah, you slowed all the way down to 60 by the time you crested the top but because you were so full of faith and you were so full of joy and you were so full of peace then it wasn't the great trial of your life that other people experienced you went over the same hill but you had momentum and they were out of gas before they got there brother Terry trial and Brother Vic Victory have very different accounts of the same road. You never heard the story about Brother Terry Trial and Brother Vic Victory? I'm, I must tell you then. Brother Terry Trial going down life's road, struggling. He hadn't had a tune-up in many years. And he's about out of peace, about out of joy, chug, chug. Second gear, doing 25. When he came to the big hill, 
the big hill. And when he got to the big hill, he thought, oh my. And he began to pray. And he put his foot on down. And the car shook. Because it was only hitting on three cylinders. And he had to shift down into first. And now we're down to 15 miles an hour. And so he prayed in tongues best he knew how. And he was sad. And it was bad. And part of the time he had to throw the door open. And he was pushing with his foot. And he sang. I'm coming up. On the rough side. Oh, the mountain. I'm doing my best to make it in. That is a song. Coming up on the rough side of the mountain. Finally, some people, he was yelling, I need help. I need help. And some other kind of souls came and pushed on the back. And it took them near half a day. But they finally, sweat covered, got his faith mobile up over the crest. And he was able to coast down. And he pulled over off the side to the filling station. The faith filling station. And he was covered in sweat and he was worn out. And he said, "Ah, who are you, Brother Terry Tribe? And he told him how hard it was and how bad it was and how long it was. And everybody said, oh, my. Sound like the worst hill I ever heard tell. Until just two days later, Brother Vic Victory came down the same road. Now, Brother Vic likes to keep his faith mobile clean and ready and right. So he he spent time cleaning out the cobwebs out of the carburetor and and all the junk out of the gas tank and and got the the weights and the sins out of his life and, and got it clean and got it right. And obeyed the Lord. And every day when he did, he just picked up a little more speed. And, and every day he, he got her out of second. And he, he got it into third. And, and then he, he was willing to, to lay aside anything that wasn't the will of God. And, and man, his, uh, his V8 is humming. I mean, it's hitting on all cylinders. And, and he's praying in the spirit, building himself up. In his most holy faith. And now he got her over into high gear. And he's doing 92. And he sees this hill. And you remember the Bible said. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. So he said. Hill. You ain't nothing before my mighty God. I count it all joy to overcome you and he just slapped her up in a higher gear and put the foot down and sang the praises of the most high and he shouted and he only slowed down to 65 
and he crested the hill. And as he came over, people could hear him on both sides going, Hallelujah! <laughs> Glory be to God. Thanks be unto God who gives me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. Why do they call him Vic Victory? <laughs> and he pulls in the filling station. And they said, you come from the south? Yeah. You come down that road? Yeah. Did you come over the awful, terrible hill? That hill? Yeah, you know the awful, terrible, takes all day and needs four folks to help you. Hill. Oh, that hill? I did have to downshift. One time. I did slow down to 65, but it didn't take all day. It probably didn't take three minutes. I mean, I'm, here I am. Came over the same hill. I said the same hill. We're experiencing the same temptations and trials. The reason it sounds so much worse in some people's lives is because of the condition they're in. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. I don't want to be Terry trial. I say I am Vic Victory. That's me. Me and Vic cut from the same cloth. Is that right? Yes, sir. But in order for that to be your story in your life, you cannot yield to depression. You cannot yield to fear. Because it makes you weak and slow and encumbered, taxed. But the joy of the Lord. I said the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's no such thing. Is somebody who's depressed and strong spiritually. Whether it's you or me. Because if you're really strong spiritually, what's your strength? Joy. You're going to have joy. You, you can't be strong and be depressed. I know people may not like that. And a lot of folks think they're very spiritual, but they're too somber, they're too intense. Oh, they read lots of scriptures. Oh, they, they pray a lot. Did you know you can absolutely pray in vain for all the good it did you, for all that, what you were calling praying? You'd have been better off taking a nap. Did you know you can read the word with the wrong eye? Not even looking for the right things? Trying to find something to be upset about? To be scared about? There's, some, there's things in the Bible about judgment. But there's a lot more in the Bible than judgment. And there's some folk that's all they talk about. And you can tell it. You can tell whether they're off doctrinally or not by their level of joy and by their level of peace. One of the ways I know this is because in the early days of my ministry, I got off. Didn't do it on purpose, but I got off. I had the privilege just months into beginning in the ministry to work at the healing school at Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s ministry there in Oklahoma. Well, this was a place where people could come 
to get their faith built up to receive healing. And a lot of people came that were diagnosed terminal, incurable, given up to die by science. And uh, man, you come in there on a Monday morning, you could feel death in the room. People are struggling to breathe. People got their machines with them and, and this and that and the other. And they full of yellow jaundice and, and can't half walk or, or breathe. You, you could, death is in the room. And uh, of course, as you might expect, not much shouting <laughs> or laughing or singing. But you see, these go together. These go together. And so we, we believed that God is the healer and that whether folks receive it or not, it is his will for all of us to be healed. Now, until you get that settled, you can't have faith to be healed. Just can't. Faith comes by hearing. And is it God's will for all to be saved? Didn't the Bible say he's not willing that any should perish? Are people perishing? Yeah, but it's not his will. Just because it's his will doesn't mean people have to receive it. Well, it's God's will for everybody to be healed too. Me, you, come on, will you just accept that by faith? Is it true or not? Is it not God's will that any should perish? Believe that in every sense, not perish spiritually, not perish mentally, not perish physically, not perish emotionally or financially. Say it out loud. It is not the will of God. That anyone perish. Anyone. Well, then that means it's his will that all be saved. That all be delivered. That all be healed. That all be free. And Jesus told people, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. But uh, in ministering to the people, I'm, at this point, I'm... uh, one year old in ministry, I'm two years, I'm five years, etc. along in there, first few years of my life, life in ministry. And uh, I felt, you know, Brother Hagin was there ministering, and then not long after that, he wasn't there, and I was one of the main ones ministering, and I was very inexperienced. And uh, I knew these are serious situations. If these people don't receive, they're going to be out of here real soon. Serious, serious situations. And uh, I hadn't learned then, but uh, I know now. For the Christian, dying's not a deal. People wait way too big of a deal out of dying. Oh, what if I die? Honey, if the Lord tarries is coming that much longer, you are going to die. You and your goldfish and your flowers and everything around you. Is that right? We've talked about this before. Some 155,000 people left this earth today. Just today. Next couple of seconds, two more went. Two more. Two more. People are leaving. For a believer that shouldn't loom over you. What if I die? You are going to die. You need to be ready to go right now. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. It's just stupid to act like you're going to live down here forever. How many people still here from the 1700s? How many? How many? 
So the Lord tells us it's coming in another hundred years. How many of us are going to be here? Not too many. Two hundred years. How many of us are going to be here? Not a one. Yeah, but what if I die? You are going to die. No what if. Unless the Lord comes back beforehand. And if he tarries just a tiny bit on his clock, it's going to be too long for you and me. But I took the weight of, of it on my shoulders. We had, we had miracles. We had people that got healed, but we had people that didn't. We had people that didn't receive. That really bothered me. Let's just back up a little bit. If I'm preaching that you can be born again, and some people get saved and some people don't, should I carry that on my shoulders and be down? Because the Bible said if there's a, a crowd and the gospel is preached and hundred lost people in there and, and one of them come and get saved and 99 leave lost, the angels in heaven weep. They weep over the 99 that left lost. Am I quoting that right? The 99 that left lost, that's terrible. So the angels weep. I said they weep. No, it said what? They rejoice over the one. Well, then why would we weep? Instead of rejoice. Well, I, I, I didn't get that right off. So instead of celebrating and shouting about the ones that got healed, I'm carrying care for the ones that didn't. And I'm thinking, and it was the enemy that fed me this, and I wasn't sharp enough to catch it. If you knew more, if you had more faith, maybe they'd still be here. That's the devil. I said, that's the devil. I didn't, I didn't catch it at first. And so I, I yielded to it. I thought, yeah, I'm so green in ministry. If I'd have had more faith, if I knew more. Now, sure, we want to grow in faith. Sure, we want to develop so we can help people more. But uh, I begin to think, well, I, I need to pray more. I need to study more. I need, and so I begin to fast and pray. I lost so much weight. None of my clothes would fit. All the people that helped me, they'd say, it's time for lunch. I said, no, let's just pray and fast. And somewhere along in there, as the months, weeks went by, I didn't realize it, but I lost my joy. I'm so serious. I'm sincere. It's life and death with these people. Life and death. We got to pray. We got we to get in here. We need to study more. We need to pray more. We need to. And I didn't realize it, but I'm not joyous. I'm not laughing. I'm not singing. This went on for months. I know it wasn't any fun to be around. I didn't realize it at the time, though. I, I, I thought I'm taking the ministry seriously. I thought I'm, I'm doing the best, applying. Reach further. Pray harder. Believe more. Do it. But what is faith? If you're depressed, you're not full of faith. If you're pushing and pushing and pushing and you're frustrated and aggravated, you're faithless. 
Faith is evidenced by joy and peace. If you're in believing, you're going to have joy every time. And you're going to have peace. Oh, come on. Can you see the trick of the enemy? I'm not talking about you. I'm I'm telling you about me. I messed up. I got off. I got off. And yet I'm praying hours every day. I'm fasting. I'm, I'm studying every day. You think, well, man, he's spiritual. And yet I was being very unspiritual. Didn't realize it. One day I'm praying again, skipping lunch again. And the Lord spoke to me. He loves you. Thank God for his mercy. I'm pushing, praying in tongues, topping voice. Got to help these people so these people don't die. The Lord said to me, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, like he'll speak to any believer if you'll listen. He said, Keith, are you the healer? I stopped. I sat up. I thought, well, no, Lord, no. He said, Keith, you know, this is how he'll, he'll talk to you like that. When he calls your name twice like that, you just want to go ahead and kneel down and start repenting because you, you've messed up. He said, Keith, are you the healer? I said, well, no, Lord. No, I'm not the healer. He said, you're acting like you think you are. He said, whether these people get healed or not, is that all riding on your shoulders? He said, these people had a full life before they ever got here. They'll have a life after they see you. All kind of things have happened that you don't know about. I mean, this is true worldwide. Whether people are saved or not is not all on your shoulders or mine. That's too big. Whether they're healed or not. Somebody said, what about the scripture that said, you know, if you don't warn a person of their sins and they die in their sins, I'll I'll require their blood uh, at your hands. And so people take verses like that and they're just under tension and bondage. They can't walk by anybody on the street without witnessing what they call witnessing. A lot of times it's just annoying. And (laughs) I'm serious because they don't even want to be doing it. They don't even want to be doing it. They're just afraid. I don't want your blood on my hands. Well, that ain't loving them. It's not caring about them. That's not what he said. He's got to take the whole passage. He said, if I tell you to tell them something and you don't tell them, that doesn't mean everybody you see you're responsible for. You're responsible to do what he tells you to do. That's it. And so he, was, he asked me, he said, are you the healer? I said, well, no, sir. No, no. He said, you're, you're acting like you think you are. I thought, well, Lord, I, I didn't mean to. He said, whether these people are healed or not, it's not all resting on your little shoulders. You don't know a fraction of what's going on in their hearts and their minds. Ultimately, it's up to them. And you don't know how many opportunities they've already had before they got to you. It's whether they believe or whether they don't or whether they receive or they don't or they obey or they don't. And you're not going to know half of any of that. Not your job, not your place. 
He said, your job, your responsibility is to seek me. Get the word I would give you to minister to them. Minister to them with the anointing that I give you. And be faithful to give them what I give you and minister to them what I give you. And then you cast the rest of the care of it over on me and you enjoy your salvation. If you don't, you're being a bad witness. A depressed, frustrated Christian is a misnomer. It's a misnamed thing. It is a bad witness. There's a whole lot of folks think they don't want to go to church. They don't want to be Christians because they have relatives and friends that are. And if they think if being a Christian is being like this one or that one. Why? Because they're grumpy. They're judgmental. They're fault finding. They are not happy. They are not enjoying life. Serious, serious, serious. Everything's a sin and everything's a devil and they're just having no fun at all. And so people just want to get away from them as quick as they can. But that's not God. And the Lord never told anybody to do that. He told me, you do what I tell you to do. You, you seek me, you get the word, you preach it with all the faith you have. You lay hands on them with all the faith you have. You do everything you need to do. And once you've done that, you cast the care of the rest over it, over on me, because they're not your servants. They're my servants. It's their life. They have responsibility. And he said, you enjoy your salvation. And that's when I begin to get serious about blowing leaves off the road with my motorcycle. I didn't have time for anything. Went years with no vacation, nothing. Why? Because I'm I'm a serious Christian. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I messed up Christian. This sober, sober, ultra serious, you know, no joy, no peace. That's not Jesus. That's not our God. God the Father anointed him with the oil of gladness above all his fellows. Jesus, if you'd have been on the earth when he walked the earth, you would have thoroughly enjoyed being around him. You wouldn't have been scared. He's going to say the wrong thing every minute. You wouldn't have been around everybody looking at each other, holding their hands and going. "Mm." Here's a revolutionary thought. Jesus is fun. Jesus really is fun. He's real. He's not this concocted thing people have made up him to be. Some of the pictures you see that are supposed to be Jesus. No way. Someone says, well, he was a man of sorrows for a few hours. For a few hours when he was made sin for us. He wasn't that way before and he didn't stay that way after. Jesus is not on the cross. People crying over Jesus on the cross. He ain't there. He's not there. Certainly not in the tomb. He's alive. 
He's raised from the dead. He's set down at the right hand of majesty. And he's coming back real soon. If you believe that, it's not going to depress you. I repented. I said, Lord, I missed it, didn't I? I repented to Phyllis. I said, I've been too sober. I've been too serious. I lost my joy. I didn't realize it. I lost my joy. What happened when I lost my joy? I became weak, spiritually weak, yielding to worry, yielding to anxiety, yielding to frustration, yielding to depression. I called it being spiritual. I'm praying half the night, but I'm not praying in faith. So I'm praying in vain. Studying hour after hour, but I'm not doing it in faith. Without faith, it's what? Impossible. You can't please God with a prayer unless it's a faith prayer. You can't please God with study or anything else unless there's some faith in it. And if there's some faith in it, there's going to be some joy in it. Even if it starts out with a, we might call it a burden about something or a heaviness. Even if it starts out that way, you're going to get in there You're going to pray, you're going to believe, and before it's over with, you're going to be shouting the victory. Or elsewise, you never got in faith. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And uh, along in that time, I, I, I was puzzled about I would, we'd have people that, uh, you know, like we said, they got these serious physical issues. And so some of them, I'm young, young, and some of them I'm sharing the word. I shared with them 1 Peter 2.24, by stripes you were healed. And, and more than once, uh, they would interrupt me, different ones, and say, yeah, Sonny, I know that. I was following Brother Hagin's ministry when your mom was changing your diaper. I think, well, okay. What do I do now? They already know those verses. So I, and I'm green, I'm young in ministry, so I don't know that many verses to start with. So I, uh, I gave him another one, Isaiah 53. And, and, and Matthew, he took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried, they said, yeah, and he carried our pains. I know that, like I said. Been following Brother Hagin's ministry for 30 years. So I thought, I got to find some new verses. They, they, they already know all these and are not impressed. So I did. I tried to find some verses that not everybody was using, you know. (laughs) Maybe they get stirred up about these, you know. But that didn't work too good. And one day I was doing it, and the Lord checked me. He said, no, son, you don't need to find new verses. He said, if somebody tells you their situation, and I show you the word that deals and answers their situation, and you give them the verse of what I said about it. And they're still upset. They don't need a new verse. They need to believe the one they just heard. They don't believe it. You don't need to try to find something new. They need to decide to believe it. When you decide to believe it, remember the Gentiles? Paul preached to the Jews. They were not excited. They got mad. They found fault. They contradicted. They blasphemed. What does that prove? 
They don't believe it. They didn't receive it. So he said, fine. We came to you first. We offered it to you. You don't want it. You judge yourself unworthy. We're going to preach to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles roared in the back. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Come preach to us. We will take every word of it. They were what? Which, which shows what? Which proves they believe it. They believe it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? The Lord said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Men will give to your bosom and uh, I'll supply all your needs. Well, I, I know all them scriptures are in there and, and, and I believe them every one. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't or you wouldn't still be crying. You wouldn't still be crying. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my pains. The chastisement of my peace was on him. And by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. If you believe that, you get excited. You go, well, glory to God. Well, we already got it. He already bought it. He already paid for it. He already got it. But see, oh, the enemy. Got to watch about walking in this world. By what you see and what you feel. He'll say, well, you don't have it yet. Look, feel. You don't have it. Why don't you have it? It's not working. Who said it's not working? How you know it's not working? Well, I don't, I don't feel it. Yeah, exactly. I don't see it. We walk by faith, not by sight. We look not at those things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporary, changing and subject to change, right? But the things that are eternal, excuse me, are unseen, they are eternal, unchanging. How many believe 1 Peter 2.24 is absolutely, 100%, positively true yes. and real yes. and always will be. Always, always will be. Anything else I need to change or do, if I'm in faith, trust in the Lord, He'll show me. But one thing I must do is not be moved by what I see or don't see, feel or don't feel, but believe his word. Oh, somebody say, believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. And the moment I believe it, depression leaves. What would I be depressed about? I said, what would I be depressed about? The moment I believe God's word about my finances and I've done what he told me to do, Fear leaves. Confusion leaves. Frustration. What would I be confused about? What would I be frustrated about? If I really believe all my needs are supplied by His riches in glory. You're going to tell me we've done what the Lord told us to do and all of us are in faith and the word ain't going to come to pass in our life? It's coming to pass. But if I'm going, well, we'll see. 
Man, I, I sure wish. I, 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 I want it to be. No joy. What does that mean? I'm not convinced yet. I'm not convinced. I'm not persuaded. I'm still more, I still believe more what I don't see or what I can't figure out. Faith is a choice. I said faith is a choice. I just, I, I just don't have faith like that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Who ever heard of a believer who can't believe? <laughs> it's like a fish that can't swim. Bird that don't fly. You are a believer. And you were born with the ability to believe. Hallelujah. A measure of faith. You're born with it. Now what you do with it's up to you, but you have the ability to believe. It's a choice. I said it's a choice. And the moment you choose to believe, dark clouds roll back. (laughs) Confusion comes off of your mind. The moment, the moment you choose to believe, everything changes. And when it changes in your heart, the power of God starts working in your life. But as long as you're going to be sad, it's going to be bad. (laughs) Go with me to 1 Samuel. We'll close with this, I think. Oh, hallelujah. I got the joy of the Lord and it's my strength, my strength and I'm happy about it. What's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to y'all over that? What's going to happen? Y'all going to have enough? Nope. Nope, we're going to have too much. More than enough. How y'all going to make it? You going to make it out of this? Oh, oh, I'm, oh yeah. We're coming out. It's a done deal. The Lord said, if I do this, he will do that. I just did it. (laughs) We did it. We did it. He said, believe you receive and you shall have. I believe I receive. I have to have. Right? It is so simple. You need help messing it up. But the devil is glad to provide any amount of confusion. There is no justification for depression. I don't care what has happened in your life. Being depressed is not going to help it. And not going to make it better. You can cry till you can't cry anymore. And you can grieve. And you can sob. And when you get done. It's still going to be there for you to deal with. And you won't be any better off. Nobody ever worried a bill into being paid. Nobody was ever depressed to such a degree that a miracle broke out. (laughs) That's not how it works. (laughs) You've got to stop that. And the devil will tell you you can't. And if you've been yielding to it a long time, it may seem like you can't, but it's a lie. 
I said, it's a lie. I said, it's a lie. That's why the psalmist talked to his soul. Didn't he? He said, soul. Anybody read the Psalms? What did he say? What did he say? Why are you cast down? Is that right? What's, what are you doing? Soul? More than just once every year. You'll need to grab yourself by the ear. And go, what are you doing? What are you doing? What, what are you doing? Sitting here in the chair. Moping. Ain't smiled in three days. What are you doing? Yeah, I just can't help it. Lies. That's a lie. That's a great big lie. You can't help it. You sure can. You're a child of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Saying you can't help it means you are a victim controlled by your enemy. Come on, you don't want to believe that lie. It's a lie. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. You're not overwhelmed you overcome. Yes. You're not a victim. You're a victor. That's right. You and Vic. Yes. Is that right? Somebody say, me and Vic. Me and Vic. Come on. Got to victory every day. That's all I do. It's all I say. I got to victory every night. Because I got the spirit of power and might. I never have a day when I am down. No matter how I feel, I don't frown. I choose to believe and I choose to receive. And that gives me joy, you better believe. That makes me happy, makes me strong. Makes me go on and on. And I won't quit. He can't fail. And all the testimony I will tell. Hallelujah. You can sing anytime you want to. Is that right? I don't know if I can make it rhyme like that. You don't have to. You don't have to rhyme. Nobody said I had to rhyme. Well, it may be out of key. So? You're not recording it, right? I mean, the Lord will listen to your heart. And the enemy will run away from your faith. If folks only saw, and, and, and all of us have done some of this. I just told you how I did in the early days of my ministry. If folks only saw what they're wallowing around with. When they feel sorry for themselves and cry and act pitiful for day after day and can't do anything, and, and, and it's no wonder people don't—they don't feel like doing anything. You got no strength. Depression will absolutely drain you. It will drain you, and folks don't realize. I can't do this and I can't do that. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm upset. Well, who said you had to be upset? Well, I, I can't help it. Help me out. That's a lie. That's a lie. Somebody say it's a lie. It's a lie. 
well, I feel how I feel. And if I, if I don't feel that way, I don't feel that way. And so your feelings are supreme. <laughs> they mean more than the Word of God, than anything. Oh, friend, if you live by your feelings, you will be so unstable. Oh, you're high, high one day and for the hours over, you're down, down. Why? Because if you feel it, you got to do it. Somebody say, I am not a slave to my feelings. No, sir, no, ma'am. Now, the feelings are real. I'm not saying they're not real. They're real. But you don't have to yield to them. Just because they're real doesn't mean they're right. You may feel that way, but it doesn't mean you got a right to feel that way. And doesn't mean it's right. Mm-hmm. But if folks only saw turning out the lights, laying there, deep depression, if they could have the eyes of their spirit opened and saw what they're wallowing around with in the bed there, they would run screaming out of the room and take nine showers. These spirits are real. And that doesn't mean that you're possessed. They're not in you. You were just yielding to them. Letting them in your house, letting them in your life. Friends, come on, these things are real. Have you ever come into a room where somebody's in deep depression and anger and bitterness? You can feel it. You can feel it before you get in the room. Well, what are you feeling? And you didn't even know what was going on? What are you feeling? It's spiritual. It's spirits. And it's because they chose to yield to them. You have, I have. Somebody say, no more. No more. No more. No more. Didn't the Bible say, neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any place. No room, no space. What does that mean? No depression. No staying mad at people. No holding grudges. No being bitter. No being sad and feeling sorry for yourself. None. 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 What do you do with yourself instead? You just freed up a bunch of time. <laughs> what do I do with my unafraid, non-worrying, non-upset self? Well, you rejoice in the Lord always, all the time. I will bless the Lord. At all times. His praise shall continue. Are we talking scriptures? Are we quoting? Continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. I will make my boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt. His name together. This is not just empty talk. There's power in this. And when you do it because you mean it from the heart, strength will come up in you. Strength. Oh, somebody say strength. Is it true? The joy of the Lord. Strength will come up in you. You watch these people that just go and go and go and go. Seem like they never get tired. They do. They're human. But how do they just do all that? And how do they keep going? Look at their face. Listen to the tone. See how they talk. 
They are not being depressed. They are not holding grudges, being upset, being mad, being sad. But you just don't understand. You don't understand. It's clinical. Oh, well, that's different. Then you can just forget all these verses because, really? Really? But you don't understand what I went through as a child. Oh, well, okay, then you can forget all this. It doesn't make any difference. I'm not belittling it. A lot of folks have been through some bad stuff. I know that. But you hurting and being depressed and sad is not going to help you. I said it's not going to help. It's never helped you so far. It's not going to help you. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to enjoy life? Then your sad days are over. They're over. They're over. First Samuel, go there. I, was, I thought I was closing five minutes ago. But then you, you wanted some more preaching. I could, you, I could tell it. You was like, come on, give me some more. Give me some. You're like those Gentiles in the book of Acts. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. They may not want it, but we want it all. We want it all. What has God done for us, church? Just in the few years we've been here in Branson and a few years we've been there in Sarasota and the word supply. What has God done for us? What has God done for us? How can we mope around? How can we drag around and be depressed and down after all he has done for us? If he never did another thing. He's already done enough for us to just shout every day of the, every day of the year. Praise him and thank him every day of the year. Oh, but he's doing more. He's got so much more. And who's going to enjoy it? Believers. How can you tell a believer? Joyous. Peace. And joy. And full of expectation. <laughs> Peace. And joy. And full of expectation. Yes. Come on, say that loud. I have peace. I have, peace. I have joy. I have joy. And, I am full and I am full of expectation. Of expectation. You, you'll get more friends. People, I'm telling you, people like to be around people like this. They enjoy it. Some of your friends, I'm prophesying, some of your friends will come back. That's right. It's your fault they quit hanging around you. They just got where they couldn't take it anymore. I know it sounds funny, but I'm not laughing. But you make this change, they'll come back. And you'll even get new friends. Hallelujah. First, you've got to repent. Repent for acting like that and being like that. Quit saying you can't help it. Take responsibility. Be a man. Be a woman. Yes, sir. Admit all of us have messed up in these areas. Yes, sir. Every one of us. But take responsibility. Repent and change. No matter what's going on, you can choose to rejoice. Can't you? Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, in case you didn't get it the first time, again, I'm telling you, he said rejoice. In 1 Samuel 1, maybe we'll come back to this next time, but we'll just introduce it to you. It's the story of Elkanah 
and his wife, Hannah. Hannah could not have children. And it was the desire of her heart. And year after year, she prayed and she prayed. And she cried. She cried a lot. And she was sad a lot. And the Bible said in verse 7, year by year, First uh, Samuel 1, 7, year by year, they went up to the house of the Lord and she wept and wouldn't eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said, Hannah, why are you crying all the time, baby? Why? And you cry and you won't eat. Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? <laughs> baby, you got me. You got the Elkanah. <laughs> and you know what she said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> year after year. This gets old. I said, this gets old. Every morning, house is full of depression. Gets old. And what, the problem is people get used to living in it. And after years, they're unhappy, but they think that's life. How you doing? <laughs> we went out to eat the other day. And a couple of guys were with me. went to a barbecue place. And uh, the reason we went there is because they had really good... Um, <laughs> y'all wouldn't care if I went another half hour now, would you? You wouldn't know about this barbecue. Uh, <laughs> You had really good brisket, beef brisket. Now, you don't find really good beef brisket everywhere. But these guys are old school. You can tell by looking at them. They hang out all night at the smoker. And, man, when they pull it off the rack, you got you something. So we went there all primed, me and, and two guys, two of the staff, going to eat us some uh, brisket. Got in line, had to stand there a while. And they tells us they out of brisket. <laughs> they got no more brisket. Brisket is gone. You have any more tonight? No, I'm not going to have it be, be Monday before we have any more. Brisket. So what do you do? What do you do? If you are spiritual, you don't miss a beat. If you're spiritual, you don't miss a beat. You go, okay, what else we got? Do we need to go somewhere else? Yeah. Now look at that. That barbecue chicken don't look bad. <laughs> got me some of that. The other guy's got a big pile of ribs. And Hey, we're okay. We go, we sit down on the seat. We sit down down this guy. And I said, hey, man, uh, how's it going? You doing good? He said, no. <laughs> I think I said, you're doing all right today. He said, no. No. I said, really? What's the deal? He said, hey, out of brisket. <laughs> and that's what I came. And I mean, he ain't joking. He is not joking. He's mad. He's upset. Now, he's got a pile. I mean, looks like 15 or 20 of some of the best ribs you ever saw. And he's steady ripping them off. But he's mad. I'm telling you, he's, he looked at me and he glared and he said, yeah, they opened this other store up and and they're taking part of the brisket over there. And, you know, it ain't right. And that's why I come over here to get that brisket. And if he had any joy, 
he completely lost it because of no brisket. Now, when lack of brisket can steal your joy, you're not too spiritual. You are not doing very well. We've been there. Right? I'm not not knocking him. I'm just using him as an example. I never saw him before that time and don't know who he is, but maybe he'll hear this and get the victory. (laughs) It's a thousand miles away, but hey, video goes everywhere. Is that right? Crying, sadness, frustration, sorrow. I remember some years ago I was believing for something and it hadn't happened and hadn't happened and hadn't happened. I figured it would have happened by then. And I'm driving somewhere and I was in the car getting on the interstate, on the on-ramp, getting onto the interstate. And, and, and I was thinking about this and, and I didn't realize it, but I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not singing. I'm not laughing. I'm not happy. I'm frustrated. What's the deal? What's taking so long? What, what? What, what? Spirit of God spoke up in me. He said, if you're frustrated, you're not in faith. Hmm. If I'm frustrated, I'm not in faith, which would explain a lot. (laughs) If you're not in faith, don't expect anything to be happening. Everything works by faith. If you're frustrated, you're not in faith. Stop talking about what you need. Stop talking about what you don't have. Quit talking about, well, I want it, I want it, I need it, I need it. We got to have it. That's not going to help you at all. And being frustrated and agitated and impatient is not faith. Hannah is fed up with year after year. No kids. No kids. Her her friends has kids. Her rest of her family has kids. And and they're laughing and they're playing with the kids. And buying clothes for the kids. And cooking for the kids. And and she don't have any kids. And all I want is some kids. All I want is a son. Like other people. And she gets to thinking about it. And it just hurts her so bad. And she cries, and she cries, and she cries. Here she is at the uh, house of God again this year. And uh, Eli is at the priest on his seat. Verse 10, she's in there in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and did what? Did what? She ain't just crying. She wept sore. This is ugly crying. So you make it fun of me. You need to quit being that way. And then it won't bother you because when you hear it, you go, well, that ain't me. (laughs) (laughs) See, got you laughing. You didn't mean to. Quit taking yourself so seriously. Act like you're the only one ever dealt with anything in life. Are you kidding me? It's so bad. You have not a clue what other people are dealing with. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Ask Vic Victory how bad it is. 
So you've become, without realizing it, you've become Terry Trial. You've become Teresa Trial. It's so bad because you're in such bad shape. No momentum, no joy, no peace, no faith. And so it was so hard. But it didn't have to be so hard. She's in bitterness of soul. Prayed to the Lord. Wept sore. She vowed a vow. Lord, if you'll indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid, remember me. Give me a your handmaid a man-child. I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life. There's no razor will come on his head. It came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord. Eli marked her mouth. She's praying in her heart. Her lips moved. Her voice wasn't heard, but she's crying. Therefore, Eli thought she's drunk. Eli noticed this woman with all the other people in there. Something's wrong with her. Weeping, sore, vexed, disquieted. He looked at her and he thought, she's drunk, man. She's messed up. And he comes over to her and says, how long are you going to be drunk in here in the temple? Put away that wine from you. <laughs> and she said, she said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've not drunk any wine nor strong drink. I've just poured out my soul before the Lord. And year after year, where has this gotten her? She's sincere, but there's no faith here. And God is a God of faith. Count not your handmaid for a daughter of Belial. Out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief have I spoken here too. Remember the phrase the Lord gave me? Doubt, despairs, complains. And is sad. What does faith do? Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. What are you glad about? You're not glad about the problem, you're glad about the answer. And Eli answered, Here's where the breakthrough came. Here's where the breakthrough came. Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. Now, here's the man of God. He tells her, the Lord grant or the Lord grants you your petition. Go in peace. Go in what? Go in what? Go in what? Has she been in peace? No peace at all. Has she been in joy? No joy at all. Go in peace and the Lord grants you your petition. Now, if she believes this word that the Lord has granted her petition because the man of God told her that he did. Is there going to be a transformation in her life? Hmm? And uh, verse 18, she said, uh, don't forget to pray for me. Keep praying for me now. Because it's, 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 it just hurts me so bad. What would that mean? She didn't believe one word he said. Not one word. How do we know why is she in the book here? Because a miracle happened. Is it coincidence when it happened? Why not those years before? She said, let your handmaid find grace in your sight. That sounds a lot like, be it unto me. According to your word. And so the woman went her way and did eat. Huh? And her countenance was. No more sad. Here's where the breakthrough came in her life. She's what? Come on, help me out. Three words. No more sad. No more sad. 
No more sad. They got up. They worshiped the Lord. They went back home. Next thing you know, she's pregnant. Tell me when the breakthrough came. Stand on your feet. When did the breakthrough come? No more sad. No more sad. Somebody say, that's me. me. No more sad. sad. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 No more sad. No more sad. No more sad. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.